This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's an unfortunate reality that even today, society places so much emphasis on the color of your skin. People may perceive you as intelligent or stupid based on the color of your skin. Beauty is often tied to a particular skin color. And people may even see you as a threat because of the color of your skin. And we're not necessarily talking about race here or racism, which is something that we have explored in the past, but rather racism's equally rotten brother, Colorism. But what exactly is colorism and where does it stem from? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Assistant Professor Dr. Karim Batash. He's a lecturer in social psychology and global political economy at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Welcome to the show, Karim. So what exactly is colorism, Karim? Hi, uh, Dashran. Good to be back. Um, So colorism, you could say, is the conscious or unconscious cultural belief that people's social value is dependent on their skin tone. And it globally goes, you could say, into the same direction. That is, darker skin-toned individuals, people with the most efficient protection against the sun, are considered to be lower on the social hierarchy than lighter skin-toned people. Important to understand is that this, this is not simply something you only see in the West. Colorism, you could say, is global. One sees it in Latin America. One sees it in Asia and Africa as well because of, well, you could say similar uh, historical uh, trajectories. How is it different from racism? Well, not it's not always different. So colorism mm. can indeed stem from racism, but it does not need to. Racism is the very recent idea that people can be classified into racial groups based on skin tone and facial features. Racist ideology can also be called white supremacist ideology because it assumes people classified as European white to be superior to be the superior human group. An idea that was invented during European colonialism to justify the genocide, resource extraction, as well as labor and sexual exploitation of non-European people in the colonies. The only reason why the ideology spread so efficiently is because at that point in time, approximately 500 years ago, the Europeans had better weapons and ships to dominate over other groups of people. The thousands of years before that, Northwestern Europe was an insignificant part of the world. Now, colorism is different in that it indeed can be a result of racism, because racism also deems darker-skinned groups as inferior to lighter-skinned groups, but it is not necessarily so. What I am trying to say is that colorism can also be independent of racism. It also has a within-group effect, as we say in the social sciences. Within-group means that also within a specific ethnic group, let's say Chinese or Indian, colorism puts people into social hierarchies wherein light-skinned Chinese women, for example, are considered more beautiful and more innocent than darker-skinned Chinese girls. You see this form of within-group colorism in many societies across Asia, and it is often very damaging, not only to individuals, but also the social fabric of a society. 
Hmm. Now, we want to get into how, you know, it can be damaging slightly later on. But where does colorism stem from, Karim? Well, it stems from both racism and classism. Right. It existed in ancient societies to distinguish between the elite or royal classes and the common folk. That is, if you were part of the rich elite, you could use your wealth and power to let others work for you. A natural result was that working class people would get a tan skin because they worked outside the, uh, in, in the sun, while the elites would have relatively light skin. This is purely a logical consequence of differences in sun exposure. Nothing special. But because we human beings are visible creatures, we started to assign causation to correlation. That is, human beings in history started to think that because they have light skin, they are so successful and rich and royal. Now, why did this happen? Well, because these elites had the wealth and means to spread their image to the outside world. They would be portrayed in paintings and in books, and they would be riding in golden carriages among the so-called common folk who would slowly mentally internalize that seeing people with light skin like that means that they are better than them. And over hundreds of years, this became part of culture to such an extent that people in such cultures started to do anything to avoid their skin from getting a tan. But also movies and stories would reproduce these ideas, such as in fairy tales about princesses with light skin, wherein they use words as pure, beautiful, fair, and innocent. And today it still happens. Eh? Think about billboards or the movie industry or Google image search or the Oscars or fashion industry, but also education. Think about all the famous scientists who are mostly white. When European racism was introduced, this mingled with already the classist colorism you had in Asian societies. That is, between groups, lighter skinned groups were perceived as better than darker skinned groups with people classified as European white at the top. While within group colorism, stemming from classism, would consider the lightest exemplars within these groups as better than the darker-skinned ones. Right. So, you know, with that in mind, um, you know, how does colorism in Asia um, differ from colorism in other parts of the world, say US or Europe? Again, eh, that it's, it's really a combination in Asia. So Asia is still deeply entrenched in I, what I call old-style colorism. In fact, a colleague academic of mine did a global study on unconscious bias, which is a psychological method to see if people have an unconscious preference for certain human characteristics. And my colleague showed that in Singapore, China, and Hong Kong, people have the strongest pro-white unconscious bias in the world, even worse than most Western countries. Why is this? Well, I think what may play a role is that most parts of Asia have been colonized and cultures internalized an inferiority to white people. We call this in psychology a colonial mentality, the self-inferiorizing beliefs that your culture, language, and people are not as valuable and good as European whites, which is a very sad result of hundreds of years of colonial domination and exploitation of, uh, across Asia. And on top of this, 
Asian cultures were already deeply entrenched in colorism. Not all cultures in Asia, but many of them. So they already had wealthy elites imprinting this, you could say, ridiculous idea that their light skin was better than the well, darker skin of non-wealthy people who were working more uh, outside in the sun. So add to this kind of colorism, also Europeans taking over their country. And the result is that you you could say you get a doubling of the effect, huh? of the effect of both classism and white supremacy on what you would see that skin color, that severe skin color discrimination you see now in many, many uh, cultures across Asia. Over the years, the correlation between wealth, power, and light skin psychologically nested in the brains of people thinking that these characteristics are intrinsically related. Right. If every day you see people with wealth and power looking a certain way, you mentally start to connect the two, even though they may be totally unrelated. Okay. So the people higher up in the castes were the ones who did not need to work outside, were the ones who got laborers, were the ones of, indeed over the course of maybe even thousands of hundred, hundreds or even thousands of years uh, maintained relatively fair skin. Why are they unrelated, these, these characteristics of wealth, power, and light skin? Well, because in many other empires, such as the Egyptian Empire, such as the Ottoman Empire, the Roman and the Greek empires, skin color was not connected to the value and, and rulers were often uh, very dark-skinned. In other words, it just depends on the cultural history of a society that such beliefs of skin tone value develop. And like I said before, people with wealth and power have the means to also spread their own image. They have the money to do so. And in modern times, we can see it with, for example, video games. Video games usually have light-skinned heroes. Most movies have light-skinned heroes. Most fashion programs use white people. But also most Nobel Prizes go to white scientists. Not because these people are intrinsically better, but because they have the means, let's say in this case the West, to reward and enhance their own group of people. So you see that colorism is very much tied into capitalism, into wealth accumulation. That is, people with the most money historically could spread the idea of their own superiority through propaganda channels, such as paintings and in religion, for example, but also in modern times, such as media or social media. For example, go look up hairstyles or beautiful girls or handsome guys or on Google Images. And you will mainly see light-skinned people and most often white people. Why? Because these platforms are being run mostly by white people who on average have more wealth. Because, of course, this stems from hundreds of years of Western colonial wealth extraction from countries in the global south. And what are the countries in the global south who don't have, that, who don't have these, these means to spread their own images? Well, these are the countries with the darker-skinned people. So to get back to what you just said, always, always question, like, okay, mm. where does this, this, this initial difference come from? And then you will often, if not always, uh, uh, realize that, it, that it's tied to wealth, power, and influence. 
All right, we do need to go for a very quick break. I'm speaking with Professor Dr. Karim Batash of the Chinese University of Hong Kong. We'll be back with more on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashan Johan and with me on Zoom is Professor Dr. Karim Batash of the Chinese University of Hong Kong. And we're talking about colorism, which is racism's equally rotten brother. So Karim, Let's zoom in on uh, Malaysia for a second. Where does colorism in a country like Malaysia stem from? Yeah, Malaysia, you could say, is, 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 is a bit of the same story. Mm. Um, besides, besides classist colorism, one, one would see among, for example, Indian and Chinese communities, European colonialism also treated different groups differently based on their skin tone. So dark-skinned Indians, for example, were traditionally positioned among the lowest standing groups by the British colonial empire because of their dark skin. Chinese, on the other hand, were positioned higher, but of course inferior to Europeans. And therefore, they were granted more privileges, which resulted in the Chinese community acquiring more inroads to a better economic situation compared to Indians, which in turn, again, reinforced the myth of racial differences. Now, don't forget that also the Chinese were not considered as full human beings as compared to Europeans by the, by the colonizers. Many parts of China were occupied by colonial powers, and the Chinese were also treated horrendously based on anti-Chinese racism. Let's not forget that this is one of the biggest evils that has been done to human beings to assign value to a physical characteristic that they cannot escape, namely skin color. All groups around the world who are not classified as European white or who are darker than, the, than, than other people in their own community suffer under this nonsense system that classifies people with light skin and, and, and in particular Europeans as the top group of people. Therefore, it is very, very necessary that people start to escape this prison of colonial racist and classist colorist thinking. Mm. Now, one of the you know, painful, perhaps some tragic things about um, colorism is you know, how it's like we, we discussed, um, there are certain attributes. If you're fair-skinned, people see you as smarter, uh, more beautiful, things like that. If you're dark-skinned, um, you know, people may see you as a threat. Um, you know, personally, I've experienced that in Malaysia myself, um, not just from a, um, you know, across race, um, like we talked about racism, but, you know, you, you see this even within um, communities themselves, you know, um, you see parents hoping that their kids, um, you know, in let's say you go to Indian weddings, for example, and you just hear sometimes, you know, these aunties and uncles, they'll be saying, oh, I hope your kid is fair. I hope your kid is not dark or like, oh my God, your kid is so beautiful because they are fair. And it's not just the fair-skinned people who are saying this. You even get dark-skinned people who are saying this as well. Dark-skinned people who are saying that, oh, I hope my kid is fair. I hope my nieces are fair. I hope I get a fair girl, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Why? Why does this happen? Right. Um, well, this also goes goes a bit back to what I just said. Over the years, you had this correlation in cultures between wealth, power, and light skin, which psychologically really, really nested itself into the brains of people. Okay, And we are all products of our cultures. 
we are not, how can, can I say that? We are not immune to the constant bombarding of messages from our culture. So the result is that also people who have dark skin are very susceptible to the messaging within a culture. Okay, so our, our culture creates what we call in psychology mental schemas about how the world works. So what you see is that also among darker skinned people, they often internalize their own inferiority and internalize other people's superiority. And that had tremendously negative consequences, even to the extent that they want their children to marry someone who does not look like them because that would be better for their future. Mm. Now, Karim, let's talk about something you brought up very early on in our discussion, and that is the, you know, the, the, the effects of colorism um, or how damaging it can be. Because I think oftentimes um, people tend to just, you've, you've heard it before, you know, people are like, oh yeah, life is unfair. That's just the way the world is, um, mm. you know, and, and people don't, uh, seem to really think about the severe consequences um, you know of placing people in categories based on something they cannot control like skin right. color what are the consequences of colorism how does it affect people on the lower end of of the colorism spectrum that in this case are uh, more often than not um, in modern society and you know, as we've talked about for thousands of years, um, dark-skinned people. What is the impact of colorism towards these people? Yeah, well, you say a good thing. You just said that um, that uh, the world is not fair, and and that's true. We all know that the world is not fair. But there's an interesting <laughs> thing about human beings, and that is that even though the world is not fair, we have the intellect to question unfairness. And by questioning unfairness, we at least try to do something about it, which is a beautiful thing uh, of humanity. We have, we have a very dark side, but that is a very positive side. That is also why you and me are now talking on the radio <laughs> and actually discussing these things in the hope eh, that something eventually will change. Now, what are the consequences of colorism? Colorism has many detrimental effects on human beings. And that is why I always call colorism and racism one of the biggest evils that has been done to people around the world. Because these ideologies have convinced a large chunk of the global majority, that is people of color who comprise approximately 90% of the world, that their natural humanity is not good enough. Colorist and racist cultures indoctrinate in darker people a sense of inferiority, while they internalize in lighter people a sense of superiority. Let's not forget that this is a completely false sense of superiority and inferiority. There are no differences in intelligence or laziness or beauty based on skin color or the nonsense idea of race. It has just been indoctrinated into many of us through culture. Think about books, stories, movies, etc. That is that messaging, hey, that continuous bombardment of messaging, cultural messaging I was talking about just now. The only reason why you maybe think that light skin is better is because you see it represented more often and more positively on television, in movies, in stories, and so forth. While on the other hand, you also grow up learning that dark skin is somehow less worth. But like I said, for thousands of years in many empires, this idea did not exist. 
it only started to take hold when cultures connected money, wealth, and power to skin color. And, and, and indeed, it also has real-life interpersonal consequences. People with darker skin get fewer smiles, for example, in the daily life. They also have lower dating chances. They also have worse health outcomes than people with lighter skin. Why? Because of all the cultural barriers that they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Also, job opportunities are lower for people with darker skin. In fact, in America, scholars have even showed that for the same crime, on average, darker skin-toned individuals get higher prison sentences than lighter skin-toned individuals. Skin tone or skin color is an extremely visible characteristic. Therefore, when cultures tie so many meanings and judgments to it, it inevitably influences every step people take in their life. Unsurprisingly, dark skin toned individuals have to deal with a lot of psychological pain due to the way they are treated on a day-to-day -day basis in cultures that are colorist. Think about people not wanting to look at you. People moving away when you get too close. People not wanting to sit next to you in the train. People crossing the road because your dark skin scares them. Or your society constantly messaging that you're ugly and so forth. Hence, suicide is a very big problem among discriminated individuals. And it is very, very important we start putting the lens on the psychological pain of such, such forms of discrimination. Um, does colorism affect genders differently? And I wonder if it's a silly thing because from my observation, you know, dark-skinned people across the board definitely are on the losing side compared to fair skin. And we have talked about that throughout the show. But within, when we compare, let's say, uh, you know, a dark-skinned um, woman to a dark-skinned man, um, again, we go back to, let's say, Indian cultures, Um when we're talking about beauty, um, when we are talking about, you know, aunties and uncles um, are trying to arrange marriages and all these sorts of things, um, it seems like, you know, a dark-skinned man in that regard, when it comes to, let's say, beauty, um, gets get a little bit more leeway, um, you know, whereas um, dark-skinned women are seen as really, um, you, you know, like really, really um, unattractive. They seem that way or they're positioned that way by by um, many people um, i've heard my chinese friends who are when i look at them they are you know fairly fair-skinned maybe just a little bit darker than their, their peers or something and you will hear things like what you know their, their parents will say oh my god you uh you know you shouldn't stay in the sun uh, out so long towards up uh, to girls you know you shouldn't go out in the sun so long because then right. you know you are dark-skinned and you're unattractive and and all of this. So I'm wondering if it affects genders um, differently. Yeah, this is a good good question, actually. Uh, and I, very, very uh, directly, I can say, yes, it does. It mm. does uh, 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 affect genders differently. Also, historically, for men, darker skin tones have historically and culturally been paired with masculinity, right. aggression, and poverty. Hence, darker skinned men do not necessarily get judged as more unattractive to the extent that women do, uh, for whom darker skin historically meant lower beauty. However, darker skinned men are uh, perceived as more threatening, are feared more, and mm -hmm. often considered 
often considered as more guilty than lighter-skinned men. Of course, this is total nonsense. As one of the, let's let's be honest, as one of the most violent groups in history can be considered Northwestern Europeans who colonized and exterminated many indigenous groups of people across the world for hundreds of years. But that's not what it is about. Racism and colorism are not about facts. They are simply about what kind of ideas cultures indoctrinate into their people. So in the end, it's about power. And when you have wealth and power, you can indoctrinate your own superiority and innocence into the minds of other people, even into your own victims. Now, let's get back to the gender differences. That also explains why darker-skinned men get, for example, higher prison sentences, right? But are not, but are not judged as more attractive to lighter-skinned men within their group, at least. Psychological research has shown that dark-skinned black men are judged are judged just as much, or even more, attractive than light-skinned black men. While for females, this is not the case. Light-skinned black women are considered. Uh, are consistently judged by participants as more attractive than darker-skinned black women. Historically, women were seen as soft, who preferably did not do manual labor. Therefore, the ones who fitted that category had lighter skin because they stayed outside of the sun. Um, But like I said, this is cultural and not factual. This will inevitably change when culture changes and representation of people changes. Don't forget that body type has also been a very strong indicator of beauty throughout history and and, 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 and see how extremely that cultural conception can change. Slim women, for example, are considered very beautiful now, and we cannot imagine that obese women would be considered as the most beautiful. Yet in classic Europe, for example, voluptuous or even obese women were considered the most beautiful because in those days, just like skin color, being obese was tied to wealth and power. Now, this has completely changed. Similar with being fit and muscular. Women who are muscular are considered very sexy now. and They call them gym bunnies. But there was a, <laughs> there was a day and age that a woman needed to be soft. So also in that case, it has changed. So... Let me conclude with this. With people waking up increasingly to the unfair cultures we live in and the ridiculousness of the idea that they should feel inferior because of their natural skin color or so-called race, I predict that also this very stupid idea of human differences based on skin color will disappear in the future. On that note, as always, thank you for joining me today, Karim. Always my pleasure, Dashran. That was Professor Dr. Karim Bertash of the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Um, as you know, his specializations are cultural, political, and social psychology. So if you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast titled What is Colorism? on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan, and this is Today I Learned BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.